Welcome back to A Better Brand of Happiness. This is our study of the book of Philippians, and this is session 40 in this ongoing study. This session continues our study of Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And let's begin our time together by reading that passage of Scripture. So please follow along as I read Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10 and going all the way to verse 20. Philippians 4.10 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus." To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. We began our study of this passage a couple of sessions ago, back in session 38. And in that session, I walked you through what I believe is the major point of this paragraph of Scripture, what I call the big idea. And so just for purposes of review, let me remind you that uh, this is a paragraph, Philippians 4, 10 through 20. And this paragraph's big idea statement, as I see it, is this. When Paul received the money the Philippians sent him, he was more grateful for what it meant than what it paid for. Now, in the last two sessions, we saw that Paul wrote this entire book of Philippians when he was in the custody of the Roman Empire in Rome. He was a prisoner in Rome, but he wasn't actually in prison. Instead, he was living under house arrest, but it was a house that he himself was paying for, that he was renting in Rome. Because he was renting this house in Rome, that meant he had ongoing expenses. He had to pay rent, and he had to pay for his uh, food and so on. And so we find out in this section and throughout the book of Philippians that Paul was sent a gift, that the, the church in Philippi sent him some money to help provide for his needs while he was under arrest in Rome and waiting trial there before Caesar. As we saw again in a previous session, Paul wrote this letter that we call Philippians, primarily to thank the Philippians for their gift, for their financial contribution. Now, two sessions ago in in, uh, session 38, 
We looked at Philippians 4.10, and that verse told us that receiving the gift the Philippians sent to Paul gave Paul great joy, but not because, not just because it meant his need. That was helpful to him, and that meant a lot to him as he talks about later on in this section. But more than that, the gift the Philippians gathered and sent to Paul gave him great joy because it showed Paul that they cared for him as a person. Then verse 11, which we looked at last time, last Sunday, told us that Paul was content with what he had, so he wasn't trying to get more money from the Philippians. Again, look with me at verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul here is alluding to the financial gift that the Philippians sent him. And then in verse 11, he's saying, no, I'm not trying to get more money from you. He says, I'm not saying this. Because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And so Paul here is trying to walk a fine line. He's trying to thank the Philippians without suggesting that they send him more money. And in the middle of doing this, he's also trying to teach them something he has learned about money and how it functions in, the light, in his life and in his life as a Christian. And so Last time we looked at verse 11 and we saw that Paul wasn't trying to get more money from them. Instead, he wanted to use the occasion of their gift to teach them a lesson that he had learned about money, particularly about contentment when it comes to money. And so just to review from last time, we saw in the last session that Paul was not hinting at another gift. He did not need another gift of money, he tells us in verse 11. And he didn't need more money because he had learned something, which was how to be content. He says that at the end of verse 11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And we began in the last session talking about contentment and what it means. Contentment is an emotion. It's a feeling. It's a feeling of settledness. It's, as I said the last time, it's the absence of anxiety and a desire for more. And you know in your own experience that this is something that people struggle with. People struggle when they don't have enough or don't think they have enough. They struggle with anxiety. Or when they have enough or even when they have an abundance. People often struggle with an, an, an unquenchable, an insatiable search or thirst, I should say, for more things. Paul is saying, I'm thankful for your gift, but I'm not trying to get more money from you because I've learned what it means to feel settled, to not have that anxiety, to not have that unquenchable thirst for more things. And now, as we go forward in this passage, Paul's going to try to explain to the Philippians and to us what he's learned about contentment the lessons that God has taught him, that Christ has taught him, about what it means to be content. And so today we move forward then to, we'll start with the end of verse 11, but we'll move primarily into verse 12 for today's session. And what we're going to see in this, sec in this section, verse 11 and verse 12, is this, that Paul's ability to be content had nothing to do with his circumstances. Paul said at the end of verse 11, that he has learned how to be content. In verse 12, he's going to elaborate on what he's saying there. He stated in verse 11b that contentment was not linked to his circumstances. Again, look at verse 11. He's saying, I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. And you know that the phrase whatever the circumstances means regardless of the circumstances or no matter what the circumstances in my life are. Now, verse 12 goes into more detail about this. And it tells us why Paul can say that contentment is not linked to circumstances. And in so doing, Paul, I think, exposes what is a constant um, problem for us. It's a, it's a very human reaction to circumstances and to things. It's a very common feeling about the necessity of money or the necessity of possessions in a person's life. And that is, we think, once we reach a certain level of either finances or possessions or both, then we'll feel settled. Then the anxieties will go away, or then the thirst for more will go away. We all think that there's some plateau out there that will satisfy us. We think that circumstances are inevitably and inextricably linked to happiness, to contentment, to satisfaction. And Paul is going to tear that apart in this verse. He's going to decouple for us the false link that all of us tend to have between circumstances and contentment. Look with me again at verse 12, where Paul begins to deconstruct this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In verse 12, Paul here goes into more detail about how he can say that circumstances are not linked to contentment. And the reason Paul can say this is because he has learned from experience both extremes of provision. That's what verse 12 begins by saying. Paul says, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And I can tell you that contentment can be found on either end or anywhere in the middle. Okay, that's in essence what verse 12 is saying. Paul begins by saying in verse 12 that he had experienced need. Look again at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. The word that's translated need here in the NIV is a, it's kind of a visual word, and it's unfortunate that it's hard to bring that vision into English. Because the word that's translated need here in the NIV means to lower. The, the old King James Bible, I think, says, I know how to be abased, all right? That means to, to find the lowest possible point. But there's an image behind this phrase, that's, this word that's translated need in verse 12. It was an image used of a river whose water level was drying up, was due to drought, that, that the water level was actually dropping in the river because there was not enough rain coming in to keep the water level up. And so Paul, when he says, I know what it is to be in need, he is saying, if you think of my financial life like a river, 
If you think of it like a container of water, he says, I know what it is to see that water drained down to the point where you can clearly see the bottom. Paul says, I've been on the one end of the financial spectrum, on the provision spectrum. I've been at the end where there's nothing left or very little left. I've seen my finances drained down. Has there ever been a time in your life where your income level dropped significantly or stopped altogether? When that happens, you still have expenses, right? Whether things are flowing in or not, things always got to flow out. So what happens to your bank account if you have no income, no rain falling, and yet the river's still running, water's still going out? What happens is the level of your bank account starts to drop, okay? Just like that river whose water level is dropping, dropping, dropping. Like a river that's drying up, whose water level is getting lower and lower all the time, Paul said that there were times in his life Times while serving Jesus Christ, mind you, as a Christian. There were times in his life where all his resources were drying up. He says, I've been at the low end of the financial spectrum. Now, it's hard for us as human beings to feel content in those moments. It's hard for us to feel settled. It's hard for us to feel satisfied in those moments when there's no rain coming in, And we see every day the water level, or to put it in our terms, the bank account balance falling, falling, falling. It's really hard to feel settled in those moments. In fact, it's hard to feel anything but fear. It's hard to feel anything but anxiety when there's no income and the outflow continues and the reserves seem to be falling. Sure, you might have enough water for today. You might have enough cash to buy today's groceries. But when the water level is dropping and your checking account goes to zero, how are you going to buy next week's groceries? That's the concern, right? That's the natural thought that we human beings have. Okay, I've got enough for today's groceries, but what about next week? Here in verse 12, Paul tells us he's been there. Yet even in these conditions, he's saying, I have felt settled. That's what he's saying in verse 12 when he says, I know what it is to be in need, and later he's going to say, and I've been content there. And so what Paul says about contentment in these verses is not a theory. Have you ever been in a position in your life where someone told you, someone who wasn't in the circumstances you were in, they were in better circumstances, but they told you what should be true in your circumstances. Well, you should be okay in this situation because of this, that, and the other thing, but they're not actually in the circumstances that you're in. They're not seeing it from the bottom of that dry riverbed. They're telling you what should be. There's clouds on the horizon. Maybe water's gonna, you know, rain's going to come, whatever. Have you ever been in a position where someone who was not in your circumstances tried to tell you what it should be or could be like in your circumstances? If so, then you know it's hard to accept advice from that person. They might be, what they're saying might be true, but it's really hard to believe it's true. It's hard to accept it being true. It's hard to take advice from someone who's never lived 
in the circumstances you're living through. And if you're in that spot with nothing in the bank, nothing coming in, and I come along and tell you, you can be content in every situation, you might doubt me, but Paul is saying, I've been there. Paul's saying, I'm not writing to you, this to you from a million-dollar cabin in the high mountains of Colorado where I have plenty of time to think about the nature of contentment. I'm not telling you this from a position of satisfaction and telling you you should be happy because you could be happy in this situation. Paul says, no, I've been there. I've scraped to the bottom of the barrel. And I can tell you contentment is possible there. That's what he's saying at the beginning of verse 12. And this is so helpful because, again, it's insulting to be told what you should be able to do by someone who has never lived in your circumstances. But Paul's been there. And having been there, Paul is telling us that he has learned how to replace anxiety, which comes naturally, with contentment, which does not come naturally to us. Paul knew from experience the extremes of provision because he had been in need in his life. That's the first extreme he talks about. But the next phrase in verse 12 tells us that he's been at the other end, too. He's been in a position of extreme provision as well. Verse 12 tells us that Paul had experienced need in the first part of the verse, but then verse 12b tells us that he had also experienced abundance. Look again at verse 12. The scripture says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. The word translated plenty here in the NIV is a word that means to overflow. You see how the image continues? On one hand, to be in need means to be, to be standing by a river that's drying up. The word translated plenty means to be standing on a river whose banks are overflowing. There's so much water that actually the abundance of water is creating a problem. Paul says, I've been at that end too. I've been in a place, Paul says, to paraphrase a former boss of mine, where I've got money falling out of my pockets. Paul says, I've been there. I know what that's like. Imagine the bank where you have your checking account calling you up and telling you you should probably withdraw some money because you've got too much on deposit with them. And I know you know this from experience. I know you know that the FDIC only guarantees $250,000 in any one account. And so you don't want your balance to get over that because if the bank fails, the amount over that isn't going to be guaranteed. You're not going to get it back. I know you know what this is like, right? The bank's called you and told you you should probably take some money out and put it in a different account or maybe even in a different bank because your bank account is overflowing. There's too much in it. Not too many of us have been there, but Paul says, I have. I've been in a place in my life where I had an abundance, where the banks of the river financially were overflowing for me, where I had way more than I needed. And again, Paul's telling us in verse 12 that having lived at both ends of the economic spectrum, having lived at both extremes economically, that he knew contentment was possible regardless of the circumstances. There were times when Paul was riding high financially, and there were times when he was brought very low financially. Now, in the middle of verse 12, Paul goes from describing the spectrum and saying, I've been on both ends, to explaining the point. Look again at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. 
Paul moves in verse 12 from telling us where he's been, what his experience is economically, to telling us what his experience is spiritually. And that is that despite his circumstances, he has learned how to be content. In other words, Paul is telling us that being content in all circumstances was not something that happened to him. It's something he learned. Look again at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. The words translated, I have learned the secret, come from one word in the original Greek. It's an unusual word that we don't really find in the Bible. And it's a term that was used by mystery religions, other religions outside of Christianity, during the times in which Paul and the Philippians lived. Those mystery religions had secret initiation rituals that only a few very devoted followers, only a few very devoted, devoted members could learn. And we still have some of these around. Scientology has this, where you have to work your way up certain levels to get to certain places where you learn certain secrets. Paul borrows that term from these mystery religions and says, in my life as a Christian, I have reached a point where I've unlocked a secret, where something has been disclosed to me by God, not intellectually, Paul had lots of that, but now he's saying in my experience as a Christian, I've reached a level where I've learned something that most people, including most Christians, don't automatically know. And Paul used that term here in Philippians 4.11, not to say that he'd found some secret higher plane of the Christian life. And by the way, there is some teaching out there that says there are Christians who live up here and there are Christians who live down here. And what you need to do is speak in tongues or do something, and you'll get to up here. That is, the Bible does not teach that, and that ain't what Paul's saying here. Instead, what Paul is saying is that contentment was something that he learned as part of his growth as a Christian. It was a byproduct of his discipleship. It was something he arrived at in his pursuit of holiness as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the last part of verse 12 restates in even greater detail all the circumstances that Paul had found himself in and where he had found contentment. Look again with me at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And then he says this, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul returns to his experience. He started with his experience at the beginning of verse 12 and says, I've been on both ends of the economic spectrum, but I've learned a secret of being content regardless. Now he goes back to his circumstances in order to enforce the point to us because we are so hard-headed about this. It is so hard for us to learn that contentment really doesn't find us in circumstances or that circumstances don't give us the contentment, the settledness in our hearts that we desire. It's so hard for us to learn this that Paul comes back to it. And he gets very specific in the last few phrases of verse 12. He tells us he was content regardless of the abundance or lack of food. He says in verse 12, whether well-fed or hungry, he said, look, 
There have been times when I've had to push back from the table because I'm so full and there was still food on the table. And he says, I know what it is to be content in those circumstances and to not have to worry about what tomorrow's meal will be. But he also says, I know what it is to have that, that aching feeling in my stomach of no food or not nearly enough food. And he says, yet I know what contentment is in that circumstances, circumstance as well. He also tells us at the end of verse 12 that he has been content when he had nearly everything and when he had next to nothing. Notice again the end of verse 12. He says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. These phrases talk about a, an ongoing situation. Paul says, I was living in plenty. That means, he said, really, all of my needs were provided for and I saw no end to the provision. He says, Paul says, I've been there, but I've also been in a place where I was in need, where I didn't have what I needed and I didn't see where it was going to come from. And the point of this verse, verse 12, is to say, contentment is possible no matter where you are in those extremes. And again, this is so important for us to learn. We think it's easy to be content when we have money and impossible to be content without it. That's what we think. It's what we think in our heads. It's what we believe in our guts. That if we have money, it's easy to feel settled. And if we don't have money, it's impossible to feel settled. But actually, if you reflect on your own experience as a person, you know this isn't true. You probably know somebody right now who makes less money than you, probably a lot less money than you. And they have less stuff. They have a smaller home. It's not as nice. They have older cars, older stuff. And yet, they're always happy when you see them. Maybe there's a person who's actually come, whose name or face is coming to mind as I say this. You can think about somebody who has a lot less than you, and yet, there's always a smile on their face. That suggests that you could be happy or somebody can be happy at a lower level of economic gain than what you have at the moment. And you've experienced this. You've met people like this. But because of the world we live in, and we know this better than Paul even could communicate, than Paul's people, the people in Paul's world knew. Why? Because we have the media. And the media relentlessly tells us how much money people make. It tells us who the wealthiest people in our society are. And it tells us how many homes they own. And it tells us how much money they made in their last movie or on their last record deal or how much money their collected stock is worth. And so we have this celebrity media that tells us about the lifestyles of the rich and famous to borrow from an old television show that was on when I was a kid. We have a lot more information about who's rich and what their life is like, that there are a lot of people out there living at the extreme of provision, and yet the rich and famous in, their, in this world cheat to get their kids into Stanford. We've heard about people who are wealthy and famous who did that and are going to jail for it right now. We also know about people who have all kinds of money, and, and they have five homes, and they're in the middle of a you know, a wealthy contract that pays them well to hit a baseball or catch a football or whatever, and yet they have to check into drug rehab or seek help for alcohol addiction. The Bible tells us that joy and contentment 
are not found in circumstances. And if you really reflect on people you know and the information that we have, you and I should believe that this is true. We've seen it. We've experienced it. The Bible tells us that joy and contentment are not found in circumstances. They are found in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Because Christ is no respecter of persons. He doesn't love the wealthy more than the poor, nor does he love the poor more than the wealthy. Human wealth is irrelevant to God. Instead of finding joy and contentment in things, the Bible says they are found in Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to come back to this next time. But in order to wrap up this session, look with me at verse 13, and we'll just, we'll just dip our toe in the water, and we'll come back to it in more detail next time. Verse 13 tells us, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this is maybe the, one of the more famous verses of Philippians, maybe, one, maybe the most famous. But it's, it's famous in a different translation than what we have here. You've encountered this verse before, and you've quoted this verse maybe before, but you've quoted it this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of non-Christians quote this verse. It's a well-known verse, and yet a lot of times it's quoted ripped from its context. The NIV's translation here is a much better one contextually because it tells us that Paul is not saying, I can do all things like a superhuman He's saying, I know how to be content whether I'm poor or rich. That's a superhuman thing. And yet it's not one that's valued in our world or our society. And so we'll come back to this next time. But verse 13 tells us that the secret to contentment in every and any circumstance of life is Jesus Christ. In verse 13, Paul explained the source of his contentment was his relationship to Christ. Now, this isn't as simple as become a Christian and you'll be content. It's not that simple. Remember, Paul says both in verse 11 and verse 12, he uses two different words to say that this is something he learned. So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not going to make all your wanting go away, but it will put you on a pathway to holiness. And as you pursue Jesus Christ instead of money and things, the Bible says you find contentment along the way. Those who seek happiness, those who seek contentment, never find it. But those who seek Jesus find contentment on the pathway. And so if you're not a Christian, let me urge you to come to Christ, not because it means the satisfaction of all your longings automatically, but rather because it offers you a better brand of happiness than what this world offers, than what this world promises, than what you think is true in your life or could be true in your life. And for those of us who are Christians... This message, this passage is a reminder to us that the things we think will bring us contentment actually only offer us temporary relief, like, like pain relievers, right? They don't say we make the pain, the source of the pain go away. We offer temporary relief from your headache or your muscle aches or whatever. So do the things and the money that this world offers. It may offer us some temporary relief from our hunger and our dissatisfaction, but it's only temporary, and those things return. True satisfaction is found in following Jesus and learning from him. Now, we'll find out more about this in the next session next time. But for now, just to please accept this truth, because it's from the Word of God. And it's the big idea of this message. I told you last time that contentment is a better brand of happiness. This time, 
I want to add a crucial component, component. Contentment is a better brand of happiness, but it's only found in Christ. And so what we're learning in this paragraph of Scripture is that contentment in Christ is what we need. Contentment in Christ is a better brand of happiness. And we'll detail that more next time.